electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Zach Valisi. Today on our podcast. The CDC is reporting that the COVID-19 Delta variant can spread as easily as chickenpox and causes more severe infection. Former FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb on the spread. I wouldn't be surprised if on a whole we're infecting up to a million people a day right now. We're just picking up less than a tenth of that. And what that all means for those long-awaited travel plans. Staying safe in the air with Spirit Airlines CEO Ted Christie. We obviously don't have the uh, authority to mandate vaccines for travelers. We're strongly encouraging all our team members to get vaccinated for sure. And in the wake of Robinhood's IPO, some investors didn't get the warm market welcome they were expecting. Robin Hoodwinked. Let's come up with something else. Those stories, plus drama at the box office, or actually without the box office, talking about Scarlett Johansson's drama with Disney. I'm with ScarJo on this, big time. I think I'm with ScarJo too. It's Friday, July 30th, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Andrew by in three, two, one, cue Andrew. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan. Becky's off today. We got a big show ahead, though. Robinhood, the stock trading app, debuted on the Nasdaq yesterday. On behalf of Beiju and the entire Robinhood team, thank you. It opened at $38 a share. It's official now. Robinhood is a publicly traded company. Stock is open for business. $38. That's right, trading now. And closed the first day, down more than 8%. CEO Vlad Tenev was on the pod yesterday. Here's part of what he had to tell us about how Robinhood, which offers users no money upfront on buy or sell trades, brings in revenue. It sends customers orders to high-speed trading firms and then receives payments of even fractions of pennies. We're gonna have to keep uh, a dialogue with the public, with the, with the media about what payment for order flow is. I think you've probably seen me over the past yep. couple of months engaging more openly uh, in the topic. And the truth is, I think it could be better explained and we, we could continue to do that. And I think uh, we'll continue defending it as something that has led to a much greater diverse uh, set of people participating in the markets. And I think from a business level, you'll see Robinhood continue to diversify its business lines and its revenue over time. So Robinhood didn't have a great first day. Its lofty valuation, pricing at the low end of the range, was supposed to coax more investors into the bid. But instead, it signaled that investors were balking at the deal. And then there was the complexity of the retail allocation, the little guy investors. Among the highest ever in an IPO, traded via Robinhood's own IPO access platform, it left less firepower and momentum for day one. Usually, bankers can count on retail to come in and help the stock pop after it begins trading. Let's get back to Andrew and Joe. 
There have now been um, about seven IPOs this year that raised $2 billion or more, and all of them ended their first day underwater. So part of it is a size issue. Another part of it is the pricing issue. Uh, but Robinhood did get a vote of confidence from one closely watched investor, and that is Kathy Woods, her flagship ARK Innovation ETF, buying almost 1.3 million shares of that company yesterday. Based on the closing price, that gave ARK more than a 45 million dollar stake in the company. But Joe, you said it yesterday, you know, part of it's, you know, we looked at the $38 price and you said, you know, do you do that because you're hoping for a pop? You do that because that's what you guaranteed them and told them that's the worst they're going to get. Um, I think Goldman had a, had a struggle to get this thing out. And part of the other issue is when you're going to allocate at minimum 20% of the, of the stock to the retail audience to begin with, um, the question is, are there more buyers on the other side, retail buyers on the other side? I have so many thoughts about this, but, but I'm, I'm going to defer to you because I, I, I know you were you know, watching every tick and watching as it opened and, and monitoring and making calls. I was watching something much worse, uh, much worse, and that was the Yankees game. Um, but uh, that's neither that's 14 to nothing. But let's not talk about that. Uh, I'm, I'm not a fan anyway. But. The worst performing IPO of the big ones since MF yep. Global in 2007. Now, yesterday, we're nice. We want to give people the benefit of the doubt. But we saw this, right? And you were watching, and we were actually asking, should we even say, is there an issue? And they're, they're saying, no, no, no. And Goldman, uh, Goldman, uh, Goldman faced meat egg. Can I say that, or, or, or can I not say that? Uh, you just said it, and uh, and I think it can be said. I think this was this is one of those this is one of those times, and this is the the hard part. If you're a bank underwriting one of these things, you tell the client that you can guarantee him a certain price, and um, you you try. And and the question is, have you set your your numbers too high? And I, I think in this instance, they did. The truth of the matter, though, is, and we all look at these as one day issues, and and so I will be sympathetic in this regard. It's very possible six months from now, a year from now, the stock will be materially higher. It could be. It could be lower. We don't know. But um, I, I always think about that because I do remember after the Facebook IPO, and that wasn't a, a yep. demonstrable debacle, I remember talking to James Gorman, the CEO of Morgan Stanley. He said, you know what? Call me in a year. Right. And um, he, he wasn't totally wrong about that either. The, uh, you know, you got the, the business model. Maybe holds up. Maybe not. Hopefully. Uh, the moat. Holds up, maybe so, maybe other regulatory issues don't become a problem. Just yesterday, it was all right. You're trying to sell something for a lot of money versus what people thought it was worth a year ago, and a lot's happened in the last year. But really, it tripled. The valuation tripled in the last year. So no matter what, no matter how you want to to, to shake it, 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 you're selling this thing for 32 billion dollars, and it didn't. It's not right. worth that anymore. But isn't that the overriding issue about whether is this is it today worth thirty two billion dollars? And if it's not, well, I think that's the I think that the, that's the question, and it may or may not be. The other piece of it, though, this was one of those offerings where raising cash mattered. Raising cash mattered because if you remember, they had to they had to effectively try to pay back some of the money from earlier you, during the during the whole GameStop situation. And they, they wanted that cash. It, it, this, was, this was a firm that actually needed the raise and probably needed the raise more than others. A fight is taking place in Hollywood. Disney firing back at Scarlett Johansson, who is now suing the company. The actress 
alleging the movie studio breached its contract with her when it offered the film Black Widow on streaming at the same time that it played in theaters. But Disney says there is no merit to the suit maintaining it had fully complied with the actor's contract. Johansson's lawsuit arguing the dual release strategy for Black Widow reduced her compensation because her pay was based partly on box office receipts from what was supposed to be an exclusive run in theaters. We should also mention the theater chains have uh, come out publicly and said you, that Black Widow would have made more money you see that had number, they windowed Andrew? it. You see that number? $50, 50 million. Dollars. That, would, that, 50. Would, that, that would get your attention. If you were thinking look, you were, you it, look, it was 50 less, I'm with ScarJo on this, big time. That's, I, I think is, I'm with ScarJo, too. You look at the contract. You also look at some of the email traffic that's, that's embedded in that, see, in that you suit. You see Disney? You see, you know, really, that's very callous of you to not right. accept 50 million less when the world is suffering from, you know, Disney that's, and it, you know, Disney's had a rough go of it. They got all the, you know, they're, remember they were the perfect company in 2018 yep. until 2020 came along. And it's like, whoa, you got some really bad things here uh, for a pandemic. Well, look, this is, this is the whole Debate and and Jason Kylar at Warner Media got in the middle of it too when they started to release some of their pictures all uh, stream at the same time. But he went to a lot of the artists, not all of them, because there was a lot of blowback too, to try yeah. to make deals with them early on. Disney apparently didn't try to make a deal uh, with Scarlett Johansson to say, okay, we're going to go do it over here. And by the way, therefore the numbers are not going to be as good. And if you're going to do it, maybe we'll make it up to some so other what are, way. Is it going to so. be a settlement or what, what's going to happen? I don't know. I assume if you're Disney, you try to settle, but I, I'm, I'm not sure. And you tell me. What do you think the publicity? I don't know. Is, what does I, the publicity do, cost you? You want to do Black Widow 2, you better, you know, that's chump change for Disney. Well, the, you there, there's me? that, but there's also, if you don't settle, and you're going to create else. precedent. Yeah. And every other actor in America that's been involved in any of these films that had similar deals. Now, not everybody has back-end deals at the, at the same level that she does, but you, you'd imagine that they'd come forth, too. So through there's a bit of a, a chess game here. Do all the streaming companies have this problem? I don't want to argue too vociferously for the actors if, if, all the stream, <laughs> if all the streaming companies are facing the same thing. I don't want to be too strident about this. Because if it happened, um, you know, it happened to one of our streaming things, I'd be, you know, hey, what's this actor thinking of? You know what I mean? I don't Lucky know. Lucky that they got a job in this. I think that the I think the, the the actors in Fast and Furious, for example, are being taken care of. But Doctor um, Death, I'm not sure. Doctor Death, baby. Yep. Have you, have you yep. tuned into that yet? Right there on Peacock. Yep. Well, I'm I was a, a listener of the I was a listener of the podcast originally, and so now I've seen a little bit, but I haven't I'm seen. I'm afraid enough. to get a haircut now. I don't want anyone doing anything uh, to me. Honestly, I'm, I'm scared. Next on Squawk Pod, former FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb on the Delta variant dilemma and updated mask guidance from the CDC. A lot of people who are vaccinated have been behaving as if they're impervious to the infection, even in the setting of Delta. We'll be back after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. 
Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Stand by, Joe. You're listening to Squawk Pod. One, his mic, Q. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Joe Kernan along with Andrew Ross Sorkin. Uh, We're not really demographically very correct, uh, Sorkin, but we've been doing it a long time. They got to give us some slack one day, right? Is that okay? Becky's off. She'll be back. Can we we just be? It's all right. It's okay for us. Just it's the two it's of just us. The boys. Just bear with us. Let's talk about some of the COVID news uh, because we're continuing to learn uh, more about the Delta variant. And uh, it is concerning. Some internal CDC documents now reportedly say that Delta appears to cause more severe illness than earlier variants of the virus and spreads as easily as chickenpox. The Washington Post reporting those documents, uh, according to that report, vaccinated individuals infected with Delta may be able to transmit the virus just as easily as those who are unvaccinated. The report also noting a higher risk of hospitalization and death among older people, regardless of vaccination status. NBC has reached out to the CDC for comment, and we're going to talk a lot more about this, as you might imagine. But if true, raises all sorts of questions about the return to work and uh, other issues uh, as we as we try to get this uh, country back open um, and just as we're getting back open, Joe, it feels uh, that there's parts of it. We talked about yesterday, you know, Disney announcing that you got to wear a mask indoors, well, your, uh, whether, your, your you're, whether anecdote, you're vaccinated or not. Your anecdote matches up the one you were talking yep. about yesterday matches up with the Provincetown uh, anecdote where there was a July 4th celebration, mostly vaccinated people and a lot of people right. uh, came down that, with it so that the CDC saw that and. They really didn't tell anyone what they were talking about. And they made that move out of uh, an abundance of caution or panic, whichever you want to call it. The Post, and you know the Post, Rupert Murdoch. But I don't know if you got the Post today. They did some numbers, though, uh, Andrew, and they did a little chart for it. And they talked about 161 million people vaxxed. And the breakthrough at this point, 5601, 5,601 up here, a little corner uh, were breakthrough and were hospitalized, breakthrough and hospitalized. And then right. out of the one point, uh, out of the 161 million, 1,141 people died at point zero 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 seven percent. You know what we're learning, Andrew, about about the vaccines and, and the CDC's got a, a PR problem because you're trying to get people to take this thing. And take then the they vaccines, see that if, if, it, as, yes. if it doesn't work, then, then you have a tough sales job. But let's talk about right. this. When you take when you get the vaccine, do you think the vaccine is a therapeutic? Do you think it attacks covid? No, it gets your immune system to to make things that attack. To attack COVID. So COVID, if, you right. have an, if you're immunocompromised or you're, uh, you know, over a certain age or if you've had an underlying condition, you've got anything that compromises your immune system. Of course, the vaccine is going to be less effective because it's getting you right. to fight the virus. It's not itself. So I don't. You know, have you noticed that Gottlieb has been kind of sanguine about our ability to deal with Delta? Because he hasn't been. But he's been. He's well, been. He says a, we're a, mostly through it, though. He says we're probably. Right. He's mostly been very positive. It. Yeah. Thinking that we might have it. peaked and we might be coming down. Joining us right now, 
Dr. Scott Gottlieb, former FDA commissioner and a CNBC contributor. He also serves on the boards of Pfizer and Illumina. Doctor, uh, if the war has changed, what do we need to do to change? Well, I think the documents that were released in the Washington Post um, that were CDC documents really conform with what we've been saying and what we suspected for weeks. And what we saw in some of the data that was being released by Israel and other countries and was being also uh, collected by academic groups. I don't think that this really changes the truth. I think what this changes is CDC's um, willingness to acknowledge that truth. So the vaccines still work very well. They, they uh, showed a 25, even in the CDC's data that was leaked to the Washington Post, they showed a 25-fold reduction in the risk of death, a 25-fold reduction in the risk of hospitalization, an eight-fold reduction in the risk of disease. What we know, or what we've believed, and what we now uh, know more fully based on this uh, information that was unfortunately not released in a controlled fashion from CDC, is that vaccinated people are developing infection, and vaccinated people um, in certain situations are transmitting the infection. And we've been, talk- we've been talking about this for weeks now, Andrew, on this show, um, that there was probably more infection occurring among vaccinated people than was being detected. The vaccinated people, by and large, are not getting sick, or when they get sick, they're just developing mild symptoms, but they can catch and spread the infection. And so that, ha- that has to change how even a vaccinated individual judges their individual risk. If you're vaccinated and you're around people who are vulnerable, you have very young kids, you're around older people for whom the vaccines may be declining in effectiveness, you need to be careful. You need to take precautions to both prevent yourself from getting infected and prevent yourself from potentially spreading the infection if you're unknowingly infected. And that means testing. It means mask wearing. It means taking prudent precautions. I don't think it means putting everyone who's vaccinated in masks. I think it means giving guidance to people on how to selectively reduce their risk. Doctor, one of the big questions is, as you know, so many people uh, getting back to work in office spaces and the like, some now, some post-Labor Day. At least that was the initial plan. We're seeing some companies push that back already. Uh, you're going to have uh, parents that have kids that are unvaccinated. Um, what are they supposed to do? Yeah, this is the challenge. A lot of kids are in camp right now or, or away in camp, and so they're in sheltered environments. Once they get back into school and once their parents get back to work when they're, when they're in settings where they can be more likely to catch the infection, there's going to be more risk. You know, a lot of people who are vaccinated have been behaving as if they're impervious to the infection, even in the setting of Delta. And so... You know, hopefully this information, the acknowledgement of this information is going to cause even vaccinated individuals to be a little bit more cautious in saying this Delta wave. I still think this Delta wave, we're further into this than we believe, that this Delta wave will pass at some point, probably in September. You know, it's going to coincide with the start of school and when businesses wanted to restart. But I think some of that's going to probably get pushed off. I think businesses that wanted to restart right after the holiday in September might push it off two weeks ago on a sort of a two-week basis, reassessing the environment. If you look at the CDC's models that were leaked to the Washington Post, they assumed that 50% of the infections that were being, are being reported to the agency and to public health authorities. That's, that's wildly um, high. I, I suspect probably one in 10 infections is actually getting reported. So the CDC's assessments of where we are and what we should be doing is based on what I believe is a faulty assumption about how much infection they're actually diagnosing. I think they're diagnosing far less, which means we're further into this and many more people have been infected with, with this Delta variant. I wouldn't be surprised if on the whole we're infecting up to a million people a day right now. And we're just picking up maybe a tenth of that or less than a tenth of that. A million people a day, if that's the case then, and it's not showing up in the numbers, is that 
considered a better result, a worse result? Um, I mean, it, well, it, it, that's staggering. Yeah. It, what, what it reflects is a reality where you have a highly transmissible variant that's widely spread across the U.S. right now, that's spreading mostly in a population that's either vaccinated and developing mild symptoms or, or no symptoms at all, or spreading in a younger population that also is less likely to develop symptoms because they're younger, healthier. Most of the spread and most of the people who are showing up in the hospital right. are younger people. If that's where the infection's occurring, then there must be a right. lot more infection underneath the small numerator that's showing right. up in the hospital. Scott, that's real quick, uh, time, set us a timeline in terms of booster shots and kids, let's say, 5 to 12. When do you think that, that those shots will become available um, to the public? And, and well, do you look, think that they will do enough to, to, to change the dynamic? Yeah, look, pers this is my personal opinion. I'm not speaking for Pfizer or, or based on my you know, sort of FDA uh, prior role. I believe that we should be giving boosters to the vulnerable elderly right around now. I think we should have been you know, boosting the people who lived in nursing homes who were vaccinated in December. There's clear evidence now of declining vaccine efficacy in an older population over time. Right. The CDC's own slides demonstrated that. So I think boosters for older individuals, we should start operationalizing that right now. Israel decided to do that. They're giving boosters to those over the age of 65. In terms of kids under the age of 12, based on what FDA said publicly about wanting more longer-term data around those vaccines, I suspect that's not going to be available until the winter, maybe midwinter. Um, so I think the vaccines are now available for kids 12 and above. Most of the spread or a lot of the outbreaks that we saw in schools were in high schools. So you do have the opportunity to get the vaccines into the high schools and the middle schools. It's just going to be the elementary schools right. we're not going to be able to get vaccines into. Dr. Gottlieb, we got to run. Uh, we look forward to talking to you hopefully again on Monday. I know we want to talk about therapeutics with you as well. We appreciate uh, your perspective on all this as always. Thank you. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, the Delta variant and our long overdue vacations. Spirit Airlines CEO Ted Christie on traveler vaccines and getting back out there. Since the beginning of the pandemic, leisure traffic has led the recovery and Spirit is a leisure-based airline and that traffic has really rebounded quite quickly. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular's single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Here's Joe Kernan. Spirit Airlines uh, topping second quarter estimates on both lines. The company also expanding its operations in New York's LaGuardia and opening service at Miami International Airport in the last quarter. However, rising COVID cases could threaten the airline's momentum. Joining us now, Ted Christie, Spirit Airlines president and CEO. Uh, good to see you, Sharon. And I'll just start out by asking you, do you have... Is it the same deal with, with the low-cost carriers like Spirit as it is with what we think of as, as legacy carriers? Are there, must be mostly the same trying to deal with, with these very daunting issues, but there, there must be some differences too. I don't know whether you do as much international travel or business travel, et cetera. 
Uh, well, thanks for having me on. Good morning, everybody. It's um, great to be here. Uh, we did just report our earnings report, so we're excited to see momentum to your point and to your question. Uh, since the beginning of the pandemic, uh, leisure traffic has led the recovery and um, Spirit is a leisure-based airline. So we're focused mostly on big leisure destinations in the lower 48, as well as in near field Latin America and the Caribbean. And that traffic has really rebounded quite quickly. Uh, we've had a very, very busy summer, a very strong booking summer. So it's been uh, great to see full airplanes, full airports, moving again, seeing their family and friends. Costs uh, might be more magnified at the low cost gas, jet fuel, for example. Uh, you, you have different issues maybe than, than, than the rest of the, uh, the carriers. I, did you lay off people? Was it very difficult at the height of the, of the pandemic for Spirit trying to maintain such a low cost structure and, and, and keep employees? Well, it's one of our uh, favorite topics around here. We are a low cost carrier. That's what we're about because we want to deliver low fares to the people that fly on our airplanes. And uh, so we maintain a pretty rigorous focus on that, uh, pandemic or not. That's, that's been something that we're all about. We certainly faced challenges uh, over the course of the last year, maintaining, like you said, operations and um, uh, trying to figure out ways to move the network around that, that aligned with wherever we were seeing demand. But we did not furlough any of our, um, our frontline staff. We were able to keep everybody intact. Uh, which get, put us in a good position to take advantage of the rebound we've seen of late. Um, and we're managing our cost structure uh, very well, I believe. By the time we hit the middle part of next year, our unit costs will back, be back down below six cents, which is an important threshold for low-cost carriers uh, and puts us in a leadership position to start again growing and, and delivering low fares. What do you foresee in terms of dealing with this new strain in I guess masks are, are, they've never come off inside the plane at this point anyway, have they? That's correct. Yeah, we've had a mandatory facial recovering requirement in place since the early part of the pandemic. So no change there for, for uh, passengers on board aircraft. Um, rising case counts with regard to the Delta variant obviously is a concern for everybody. Obviously, the answer to that, we believe, is uh, to get your vaccine. Make sure you get out there and get vaccinated. Um, one of the problems that the aviation industry saw early on during the pandemic were really restrictions put in place, um, jurisdictional restrictions on travel, where they were basically cutting off the opportunity to travel. That's simply not the case today. Uh, there is, um, you know, incremental facial covering requirements perhaps coming back into the marketplace, but the market is still open. People can go and see their family and friends. They can go and see the great outdoors. Uh, and, and I think that that's, that's a different setup than where we were earlier on. Ted, curious where you stand on, on vaccine mandates. We're seeing a number of uh, cities and states uh, required for their municipal workers. Of course, the airline industry was uh, supported by the U.S. taxpayer uh, during this period. And um, Alan Dershowitz was uh, on Fox last night saying every passenger should be required to be vaccinated in addition to a mask. Why don't you do it? So we um, we obviously don't have the uh, authority to mandate vaccines for travelers. Um, and as it relates to you our do. spirit team. Ted, Ted yes, you, you, you have absolute authority to, to mandate. That's a that's going to be a federal question, I believe. Um, and and we, we can address what we're doing here uh, within spirit. And we're strongly encouraging all our team members to get vaccinated for sure. Um, 
And and the hope is that, you know, the, the mix of that, plus, of course, this this recent um, uh, drive to put more facial coverings in place really to kind of dampen uh, the spread of the Delta right. variant. We can kind of get back to business. Um, but but, but Ted, we stand behind that. We think it is the right answer for people to go out and get their vaccine. Ted, well, just so I understand and the public understands, why do you think that you don't have the authority to mandate it for the passengers on your plane? Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't have all the, you know, the legal answers in front of me right now. We believe that the federal government, Raleigh, is going to be best addressing that issue um, for all the traveling public. Uh, but for now, that hasn't come up. Um, we haven't heard that from our regulators. Uh, the focus has been on uh, maintaining service, uh, facial coverings on board the aircraft. We do a lot of things um, on the airplane to ensure the safety of our traveling public, the air quality on board aircraft is amongst the best in the country. Um, we have regular disinfection procedures on board all the aircraft. So the airlines have done um, a lot of things to put in place. Um, but you don't, uh, Ted, you don't require it for your employees, right? We do not have mandatory vaccines for our employees. As I said earlier, we, we have strongly why don't, encouraged why don't, why, our team members. But that you could require if you wanted to. and to, We could. And you wanted yep. to actually, you could, right? That's not, that's not federally mandated. That's correct. Yeah, we could we 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 could do that. Um, we've evaluated that for now. We're taking a position. We think it's best that we encourage those folks to go get their vaccines. Um, and I know a lot of con uh, companies around the country are evaluating whether or not where they stand on that. Um, so that's that's a, a fluid discussion. But nonetheless, you know, our focus right now has always been on the safety of our team members and our and our and our guests on board the aircraft. We've taken a lot of steps as an industry and as a company to put that in place. We feel Ted, good about where we stand today. I just want to get one more thing in. I, 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 I get it. You serve alcohol on Spirit. What's, what's with the unruly passenger explosion? What's happening there? Uh, yeah, so as it's certainly a very good, um, it's a big news story that there has been a, an uptick in unruly passengers, broadly speaking, across the space in airports and on airlines. It's still the vast, vast minority of people. Um, and um, we're proud of the way our team has been handling those limited events on board Spirit Aircraft. Um, the FAA has taken a very strong stance on that as well. We support them in, in making sure that they, you know, they avoid those issues also. You probably don't have first class, but don't put any kids in first class. I know Andrew gets quite unruly. Uh, if, if they're, if they're, <laughs> well, we anyway. don't want that. Thanks, Ted. See ya, Andrew. Right? Is Thank that you, you Andrew? Gonna, I'm never gonna live that down. That's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right to your ears, listen and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here on Monday. Have a good weekend. Now we are clear. Thanks, guys. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.